shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then pop models. Uh -huh. Call me straight that. shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then okay, pop bottles. Okay, we poppin' champagne like we won a championship game. Look like I got on a championship plane. Cause I ball hard. Don't be ball I am the bird man. Alright, what up, night fans? UCF Probs here with Money Moo joining me from over the pond or across the is it across the pond? Across the pond. Across the pond from his native Scotland. How you doing, Moo? Hey, what's up guys? It's Money Moo here via Skype coming to you from a bed and breakfast here in Oban, Scotland. Alright, so we got an awesome show for you today. Let's go ahead and jump in. The biggest news UCF up to 16 in the AP ranking, our highest jump so far, even though we didn't play a game. How do you feel about that? I think it's actually not as bad as I thought it was going to be. You know, we <laughs> did have some pretty big losses in front of us. You know, Auburn was upset by number 12 LSU, uh, number 15 TCU lost. The biggest one of the week, though, was Boise State, who jumped us last week to 17. They lost big time to number 24 Oklahoma State. Uh, although Oklahoma State did jump us in the rankings, they're up to number 15, which I guess is kind of warranted. But I think um, that's you know, stupid. Well, because here's the thing: now they they got call they got credit for beating a ranked team that's now unranked. So they pretty much jumped from 24 to 15 just for beating a team that's not even ranked now. And it really sucks for Boise too because I don't know if they really should. I mean, they only got like three votes this week. They're completely wiped out from the standings, which is why we have to go undefeated. One loss, and people are going to get rid of us, which stinks, but that's just kind of the way it is. Yeah, that is definitely one thing that I noticed um, that, <laughs> you know, Boise, everyone was saying how good they were, and, I mean, Oklahoma State is a good team, too, but when you lose by 23 like that, and I understand Oklahoma State, yeah, they're a top 25 team, but they're not Alabama. But, you know, they're not right. number one. But still, like, to get beat by that much, you know, and and to completely drop out of the rankings, it's, it's kind of a bad omen for what could happen if we were to lose a game. We, we can't lose a game. I mean, that's what they say. If you're going to lose, you should do it early so they can climb back up. But it would definitely be a tough hill for us to climb. Uh, so let's, let's just not lose. One other thing I noticed is TCU lost to number four, Ohio State. They only went down to number 17. If you play a top team and lose, apparently it doesn't count, really. <laughs> it's quality loss, quality right? Losses. right. Um, also, number 22, USC, Lane Kiffin's old school, lost to unranked Texas, 37-14. to 14. Uh, I thought Texas was kind of down and out after losing to Maryland in the opener, but maybe they're getting it together there. They have uh, Houston's former head coach, Tom Herman. Yeah, Tom Herman, he usually plays up to his opponents, also plays down to his opponents, so I kind of figured that they were going to show up for this game. Didn't think they were going to win, um, but maybe USC is a little overrated. Texas still, I think, is maybe a five-win team. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, all right, let's move on to a uh, Power 6 update. We've got a, a couple teams we're keeping an eye on now. Uh, what do you got for us? So as you know, UCF jumped up two spots from number 18 to number 16. We're now currently the front runner for New Year's Six Bowl. We hold. We control. Our own, we, we control, control our own, own destiny. Yep. Right. So we win them all. Going to make the playoff, but if we don't make the playoff, then for sure we'll be guaranteed a New Year's Six. 
USF this week barely squeaked by a not-so-good Illinois team. They were actually down the whole game. But USF is in the others receiving votes category in the AP poll, ranked currently number 32. A few other teams from around the league, division foes Cincinnati, who's 3-0 and right now. I'll be talking about them later in my Money Moves picks of the week. And Houston lost pretty handily to Texas Tech. That gives Houston and Memphis both one non-conference loss over there in the West Division of the Americans. So that division is still up for grabs. Uh, so we don't know who, who our possible future opponent in the conference champion is going to be. But they both have one loss, which is good. Um, so we run the table. We'll get to host that game at home again for the second year in a row. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, more than likely it's going to be, if we do make it to the conference championship, more than likely it's going to be one of those two teams. Okay, so what are some games this week that we should keep an eye on that might affect our ranking or our uh, our conference? So bigger games to keep an eye on this week is Stanford, number seven, at number 20, Oregon. Right. Uh, we'll see if we can get an upset there, maybe move up one more spot. Although I and think then, if number 20 Oregon wins, they will jump us. So I don't, I actually don't think, regardless of what happens, that we move up. But that's the only game between ranked teams this week. And it's interesting because you have to wonder if this game were on a Saturday, we might have maybe been in the talks for college game day. Maybe. Like, just, just maybe. Because there's not really any other marquee matchups. But uh, I guess we'll never know because we're playing on Friday night. Yeah, I, I don't really know about that. But uh, I'm definitely looking forward to next year when Stanford comes in the Spectrum Stadium. And that's that's definitely going to be the next time that we're going to be calling, calling out for game day. And then uh, also ECU plays at USF beginning of their conference games. All right, so how do you feel about this game tonight, actually, versus FAU? What are your thoughts about them? I know they got blown out that first week and kind of let us all down. We all thought maybe they'd give Oklahoma a run for their money. Um, what do you think? All right, so FAU, this team, I think, is just a complete joke. I think they're totally underwhelming in every aspect. I think they're all bark, no bite, the lame train coming into Spectrum Stadium. We're going to wipe them off the map. I think it's 42-21. We're looking at how many points they've given up, you know, 63 to Oklahoma, but then 27 Air Force and 28 to Bethune-Cookman. I mean, I don't see any reason why we can't drop 50 on them this week, so I'd have to agree with you. And uh, into that a little later with your uh, with your betting picks. Also something to note, their school was allotted 3,000 tickets and only sold 1,000 of them. So it's going to be another sellout at the, at the bounce house, but it's definitely going to be a blackout too, and we shouldn't see much red or blue there in the stands. It doesn't look like they're going to show up, even though they did talk a lot of shit all summer. Yeah, I mean, they did do a lot of trash talking for how much time talent they have on the field, which is pretty much zero. I mean, even their highly touted running back, Devin Singletary, he got bottled up by Air Force defense, which is less than mediocre. Uh, He, I don't even think he had, I think he might have had 100 yards against Bethune-Cookman. I don't know. I'm in Scotland, so I can't like look all this crap up real real easy. You don't have internet? (laughs) (laughs) No, I I get it. The Wi-Fi sucks, but you know, here's the thing. I think if we can control the game at the line of scrimmage, get a good push from our defensive line and have those linebackers, you know, Jasinski, Eric Gilliard flying around making tackles, I think we should be good. And our, our DB shouldn't have much trouble covering them. They, they have spotty quarterback play. So, you know, it's just all about stopping the run here. 
Yeah, absolutely. On the power rankings that I use, they actually downgraded UCF by a couple of points, but I think after this canceled game against UNC, I, in my personal power rankings, I upgraded them due to the extra rest uh, yeah. and more time to look at the film for the first two games. And FAU's on an extra short week, playing Saturday, and then they lose a day for Friday, which obviously doesn't affect us. We moved on to FAU as soon as we found out the game was canceled over a week ago. So that definitely plays to our advantage also. Let's move on now. Let's get to our interview here. We've got really cool guest Kyle Israel, former UCF quarterback from 05 to 07. We watched his first game in the bounce house versus number six, Texas. It was almost a big upset, and uh, he won us our first conference championship against Tulsa that year also. So let's get to that interview. All right, I'm here with former UCF quarterback, conference champion, Kyle Israel. Kyle, how's it going? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on uh, on the podcast. Thanks for being here. So let's go back. You're in high school. Had a couple offers from UCF and a, and a couple other schools. Was it George O'Leary actually that recruited you? Or I know it was his, it was his first season when you were there. How'd that go? Yeah, so actually Mike Kruchek, um, or Kruzik, uh, was the head coach uh, before Coach O'Leary, and the recruiting process really kind of started my sophomore year with UCF. Uh, I lived right down the road. I went to University High School, which is essentially in the shadow of UCF. And um, once Coach Kruchek was let go, there were a couple months there where we really didn't know what was going on. I, I had an offer from Florida State and Penn State, and I was really deciding between those two schools. And then once UCF hired Coach O'Leary, um, he came and visited me, I think his first or second day on the job at university and, you know, really sold me on the idea of like, hey, you can go to Florida State, you can go to Penn State and you can kind of be a cog in the wheel and be another guy that's kind of cycled through the program and, and maybe have a great experience. Or you can come to UCF and, and be a guy that can help lay a foundation uh, for the football program to grow on. And that really spoke to me, obviously, growing up in East Orlando and literally seeing UCF kind of built. Um, you know, I wanted to be a part of that building process. And um, it took us it took us all four years to really get where we wanted to go. But, yeah, Coach O'Leary recruited me essentially his first or second day on the job. That's awesome. So you come into UCF and uh, first season, 0-11. <laughs> what's, yeah. what, what, what's going through your head at that point? Yeah. Were you, were you second-guessing your decision, or uh, how did that feel? You know, it was tough. The thing that most people don't realize about that 2004 season when we went 0-11 is I think we played 23 of the 25 true freshmen that were in my recruiting class, guys that would go on one day like Josh Sitton to play in the NFL. We had talented players, but we just had a ton of inexperience. I think right when Coach O'Leary got there, the strength and conditioning program – um, kind of ramped up from where it was in the past. And there were a number of players and key contributors from the 2003 team that uh, decided they didn't want to play for Coach O'Leary. And so we were young. We were absolutely young. I don't know. I, I got playing time that year. I started a game, uh, played at Penn State on the road, um, <clears throat> and, and ended up hurting my leg. But um, I, I wasn't second-guessing my decision. I just knew um, that again, he told me it was going to be a process and that we were going to have to build and, and own 11 is horrible. Trust me, but it didn't deter me from the idea that I knew I wanted to be at UCF. 
Right. So you kind of just got to buy in and trust the process at that point with him. I mean, it's, it's his first year as a coach, so I can understand that there's going to be some kind of growing pains and, and a little transition period. Uh, but obviously not, not winning a game kind of stinks. So you, you move on from there. Um, when, when was your first season as a starter? Was that 06? Yeah, so 05, I broke my tibia after my freshman spring, uh, in my freshman spring going into my sophomore year. I didn't play much in 05 and then started uh, a handful of games, um, really the second half of the season, mainly in 2006, my junior year. I unfortunately only played one game in 2005, but because of the college football rules at that time, um, if I played one snap of a game, I lost my red shirt. So unfortunately... Because of playing for one game in 05, I didn't have another 2008 year, but my first year really starting was 2006, yes. Gotcha, gotcha. So moving on then to, uh, to 2007, that, which was my freshman year, actually. First game in the stadium, number six, Texas, coming in to play you guys. What, what was that like? What was the feeling like, like running out to that stadium for the first time? I mean, that was really like the dawn of a new era for UCF. And uh, and you were you were the you know the the quarterback of that team. What what did that feel like? You know it was incredible. Uh, you know Sean, we got to watch for essentially ten months to a year. This stadium kind of just be built right behind our facility every day. And Coach O'Leary told me he said, Kyle, someday you're going to be a part of a group of people that comes back, you know, ten years down the road, which would have been 2017 to christen our brand new stadium. But I'm going to push and do everything I can to get us a stadium on campus before that. So to be honest, I never thought I would play in an on-campus stadium. So the idea that we got one, we, it got funded and built uh, inside of the four-year time span that I was at UCF was remarkable. And and then to be able to to run out on the field against the number six-ranked Texas with Colt McCoy and Jamal Charles and um, in front of a sold-out. A lot of NFL talent there. Tons of NFL talent in that game. Um, Michael Griffin, the safety. So it was, it was something that you kind of dreamed about as a child. I think being from East Orlando made it that much more special for me personally. Um, but everybody on that team is going to remember that day. I think it was September 15, 2007 for the rest of our lives because Bright House, I haven't seen it as crazy as it was that day since. And I'm not sure that, um, the expectation would be that it ever could get there until we expand, but, it was a dawn, you said it right, it was a dawn of a new era, it was kind of a, a move in the new direction, and it was great for our students, man, I mean, to be able to tailgate on campus and party like crazy and then go into a stadium right there, it just made the game day in college experience that much better for everybody. Yeah, it was awesome, and looking back, I mean, it, for me, it was my first game as a as a student, I, I never really appreciated it until until I can look back and kind of kind of reflect on it, but we actually had a chance I mean, we had a chance to win that game. I remember we were, what were we down, four, maybe with like five minutes left or so and, and driving. You, you remember? Yeah. You take, take me back through that last drive there where, where we had the unlucky fumble, kind of. Yep. I, can, I can tell you, too, I can tell you, we, we ended up, I think I ran a touchdown in with about 10 minutes left in the game, and we went up 24-23. They came back down. We had a chance for an interception in the flat route, and we had a true freshman, Lawrence Young, at outside linebacker, and he would have taken it at six. There was nobody there, and he dropped it, unfortunately, which I think would have won that game for us. But um, we, we got the ball back, and we're driving still up 24-23, and this is a funny story. A lot of people don't know. Kevin, we had a horrible Adidas contract back then, uh, and Kevin 
Smith ran a play around the edge and his cleat blew out. And so, I mean, just completely exploded. And wow. so he had to go out. This is fourth quarter. It's third and three. And they put up a, put in Phillip Smith, true freshman running back. And at this point in the game, I had been running the ball pretty successfully, uh, and running the zone read. And, um, Third and three, I said, man, I can keep this. I'm still going to read the DN. He went down on Phillip, and I pulled it around the corner, and I get the first down, and Michael Griffin's coming downhill and kind of puts his head across my body, and, and, and his helmet knocks the ball out, and it spins in slow motion. I can still see it spinning today. It spins right up against the sideline. I thought it was going out of bounds for I, sure. I, I, I can still picture it, too. I remember it like it was yesterday. I thought it was going out of bounds, and it just spins and stops right there. A Texas guy picks it up. They go down and score. We came back. We scored a touchdown late, made it 35-32 with a minute left and didn't get the onside kick. But that's one of those moments in time, man, you're like, golly, if that goes a different way, that turnover, which is a ball that I fumbled personally, um, you know, those are one of the moments in program histories. If you can win a game like that, people never forget it. But nonetheless – um, for us to come off a, an, a win on the road at NC State, if you remember, and then to have that game, um, you know, it was a landmark day for our program. That was awesome. And, again, like I said, I, I guess I didn't really appreciate it at the time, but games like that really put us on the map nationally, you know, kind of kind of making noise against, you know, some – it wasn't Power 5 at the time, but against some big BCS schools. Um, so that, that was really, really cool. So then we go on, win the conference, and then we play <clears throat> we play in the conference championship, our second conference championship. Yes, it was a, we played in the conference championship in 2005 versus Tulsa. We lost that game. They had a very good team that year, and we ended up in the Hawaii Bowl, our first ever bowl game, and then had a chance again in 2007 to play Tulsa in the conference championship at home. So again, in the first year the stadium's ever, ever built, we get a conference championship game at home, which – was a very exciting time for the program, and especially that core fan base, that 15,000 people that have really been fans for the last 20 years. Um, you know, that was awesome to have it. I think we, we beat them 44 to 25 or 44 29. I don't remember. But Kevin, I played a pretty good game, but Kevin Smith went absolutely off that game. Uh, he had like 250 yards rushing, I think. An unbelievable amount of yards rushing, and then he had that like 65 yard game sealer. Uh, there in the fourth quarter. And that, you know, I'll never forget that day either. The, nobody left that stadium. There's 45,000 people there. I got I, to take the key. I remember we, we were all there. You uh, you made a victory lap around with the with the trophy. I, I, I can still see it like it was yesterday. Ran around the whole stadium, shook everyone's hand. Uh, that, that was awesome, man. It was good times. I can't believe it was over, uh, over 10 years ago. I know. It's crazy. All right. So moving on from that, that was your senior year then, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you took a couple very, years off. Very disappointed that I didn't have that. Uh, that's one frustration with, you know, I don't see the eye to eye on Coach O'Leary with is, is me having to play in a game in 2005 when we got blown out by Southern Miss um, and never seeing the field again that year and losing essentially all of 2008. So, which right. I think personally, if I'm being honest, had some level uh, had something to do to some extent with Kevin deciding whether or not he was going to come back for his senior year, considering there was a chance that it was going to be Mike Greco and a true freshman competing for the starting job. So a bit frustrating, but yes, that was my end of my senior year. And then I, I went in 2009, I took like six months off of anything and then went and played a season in Germany. 
And what was that like? How did that opportunity even even arise? Yeah, so um, back then, it's very different now. The game's completely evolved over in Europe. But in 2009, I essentially got a Facebook message from a coach in Germany who was friends with the defensive coordinator of Tulsa um, that we played in the conference championship. And, you know, they said they were looking for a quarterback over in Dresden, Germany, in the GFL. I had no idea what it was. Um, but I was still young and wanted to travel. I'd been in East Orlando my whole life and said, I'm going to go. And it was essentially like playing probably division two football. Um, only two Americans are allowed on the field at each time. Um, but it's pretty competitive. I mean, it, you, division two football in America is competitive football. It's a higher level than high school football. Right. And, uh, you didn't get paid a lot. I didn't get rich and, you know, in money. As a matter of fact, I don't mind telling what I made. I made a thousand bucks a month as wow. a starting quarterback in the league. But does that does that include like your expenses or anything? No, they give you they give you a home, they give you a car, they give you a phone. I got ten meals a week for free at local restaurants that were sponsors. And in two thousand nine I ended up being the league MVP, but I was actually the lowest played paid import in the league uh-huh. at a thousand euros a month. That's still pretty cool though. I mean just to get over there and have that experience sounds like it was definitely worth it. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. And then, so I, I kind of remember there was some kind of crazy story. You ended up in Russia. Yeah. So I was in 2013, I was in the process of opening up a restaurant with Dante Culpepper called Culpepper's um, by UCF. And at the same time, I had some friends that I had played football with four years earlier in Germany say that there was a team in Russia that needed a quarterback and they were willing to pay a lot of money for only three games. Um, Russia, the, the, the league over there is not very organized and, as you can imagine, somewhat corrupt, uh, uh, to be honest. And I think I was playing on the most corrupt team, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is kind of fun. However, you know, they paid me 15 grand to come over for three day, three games. I played um, in three games. We played a team that they hadn't beat in 10 years in front of 15,000 people on national television, first ever national television game in America, in, uh, excuse me, in Russia. And it was a big deal then. That's it cool. was. It was for them. So my boss was a very wealthy man, and when I was there, said, "Are you willing to move to Moscow full time?" And I, uh, he said, "Just name your price, and I want you to come work for me and help me develop a larger league um, that can help introduce American football." So I said, "I needed uh, one hundred eighty thousand dollars a year, and uh, all expenses paid." And they said, "Okay." Wow. I mean, that's that's an awesome offer. So unbelievable. Offer. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I probably should have told him four hundred thousand to see what he said uh, right. <laughs> a little bit. But um, I ended up moving over there full time in January of 2014 and worked for five months. And um, I, I, we could do a whole podcast on what happened to me after that. But essentially, my boss was framed and put in prison and I had to flee the country within 24 hours of him, him being arrested. Um, I wow. left a significant amount of cash over $50,000 there, plus oh, my man. championship rings, among other things. Oh, don't tell me that. <laughs> yes. Uh, thinking that I was going to be back in a week. Right, and right. He stayed in prison for three years. I ended up in Austria and then Germany again, and then back in the U.S. a year later. So it was a crazy story, um, but a really cool experience, and I definitely loved Moscow. Right. That, that is crazy. But I guess everything happens for a reason. Um, so you're back over here. Let's talk about Little Greek a little bit. You're a, a managing managing partner, I think. Yep. 
I am the um, managing partner, director of operations for Central Florida. So my partners and I, we own the rights to uh, all the licenses for Little Greek Fresh Grill in Central Florida. We're going to be opening 20 to 25 locations. Um, Some of those locations will be franchise locations that we'll bring in and open them um, for the franchisee and train them. And that's essentially what I do is, is at the core is operations in the market. Um, and then we have a few that we own, one in Waterford, a future Lake Nona location as well. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I'm doing day to day. It's got easier now that we're in year three and we've got some more locations open. I'm not just spending my time in one uh, location. Um, but yeah, it's growing. It's doing well. Our Waterford location has a ton of support from students. We're all over party tutor and, and, um, pocket points. And, and I love having students come in and we give a 10% discount for any student in central Florida. So, uh, we love supporting the community and, and we're looking forward to continuing to grow. Awesome. Sounds good. And then let's talk about, uh, talked a little bit about your, uh, your history. Let's talk a little bit about this season real quick. Yep. Um, you know, we, we obviously missed the North Carolina game this week. Uh, had a lot of time getting ready for FAU. Um, what, what do you think? What, what are your thoughts on the team coming to this game? I think the consensus is we looked really good after the UConn game, and then everyone kind of had their heads down after we played SC State. Uh, how, how do you feel about this team this year? Well, I, I don't, I don't want to overanalyze the South Carolina State game. I think everybody knows McKenzie could have played better in that game. Um, I think McKenzie would tell you that, so I'm not going to – um, right, you know, hammer on him too much. But you do have some level of concern. You don't enter this game comfortable after seeing McKenzie perform like that. But uh, I think when you look back at last season, Sean, and you say, man, we had this 13-game run, and then Coach Heupel comes in, and there's a lot of anticipation for his first game, which was at UConn, and we're really up and ready to go. And I think the South Carolina State game was the first game in, in basically a little bit over a year where maybe we could take, you know, take a step off the gas a little bit. Maybe you did see guys relax. And I think with McKenzie specifically, he wasn't just as sharp. And I think some of that had to do with the opponent. That's never an excuse, but we're all human. And right. sometimes that's the way that it goes. I think we're going to come out ready to play this week. If you look last year, we had a game that was canceled, obviously, versus Georgia Tech. That week off that was unexpected, I think, helped us for the run through conference play and the rest of the season. I think this week off, unexpectedly, can help us with FAU Pittsburgh and then a conference run as well. I hope so. We've got FAU Pittsburgh. Um, then we, we, I think we go on the road for three games, and then we're pretty much back at home for the rest of the season. But I agree. I think uh, I think it, you know it's a good thing to have extra time to prepare, obviously, especially coming off a game when I guess you know we're not as sharp. And I mean, even as a fan base, I think none of us took it very seriously. So I, I couldn't expect the the team to be that much different. I mean, it was the first home game for Hypo and everything, but I, I agree. I mean, it, a team like that, no one was just really taking seriously. All right, so what, one last question for you here. Yeah. Who do you think would win between UCF 2013 and the, the 2017 UCF team? That's a lot a, of people have been talking about this. That's a really good question, really good question. Um, people don't realize that 2013 team was very similar to the 17 team. There's a ton of stud wide receivers, number one. Yeah. Um, obviously, we had Storm Johnson in 2013. We have a crop of running backs now, and we have – two stud quarterbacks, I think offensively, um, 
you know, there's a lot of comparison. I, I think, I think overall, that's really hard because they're so different and the schemes are so different. Coach O'Leary coach team compared to a Frost coach team and the way that they do things, it would be an so different to see. I think I, I'll, I'll give it to, I'll give it to, I'd give it to the 2013 team, and I'll tell you that. I'll tell you why. To win a game like we did um, at Penn State that season, um, to barely lose to a team in South Carolina with Jadavian Clowney on ABC at, at noon uh, that season, and then to um, beat Louisville, who I think was maybe in the top five at that point in time when we played them on the road. I think there were six, and we yeah. came back from down 21. I, I'll, never, I'll never forget that whole season. We should have lost every game. It was insane. So you know where I'm, you, you know exactly where I'm I coming do. But So those are crucial, crucial wins. And then Baylor was essentially UCF of 2017 when we played them in the Fiesta Bowl. That's the type of offense they ran. That's the type of scheme they had. And we were able to shut them down and go out and dominate that football game. Um, it, wasn't I, even, it wasn't close at all, really. It really wasn't close. We had some big-time plays there at the end of the first half. And then, obviously, Blake really did a good job of sealing the deal with his arm and legs uh, in the second half. I'd give it to the 2013 team, um, but that's almost an impossible question. Right. I mean, it's one of those things that people can talk about forever, and it really doesn't matter. It's like MJ versus LeBron. Uh, we could debate it forever, and no one will really ever know the answer, but it's definitely fun to talk about. All right, so thanks a lot for uh, for coming on our podcast. Like you said, check out Little Greek over in uh, what, Waterford Lakes, right, Waterford is the closest Lakes one? Closest one, yep. All right, sounds good, and uh, I will see you, uh, see you Friday night, so go Knights. All right, man, charge on, and I uh, love everything you guys are doing. Thanks, man. See ya. Now it's time for the part you've all been waiting for, Money Moves Picks of the Week. Yeah, Money Moves Picks of the Week. The last two weeks we've gone, oh, two weeks ago, went four and how many losses did I have? Zero. And then last week I had three wins and how many losses did I have? Zero. That's right. Last two weeks, seven and oh, seven in a row. There were a few people that that sent tweets over to me um, showing me that they did that they did uh, pick a few of the games. Uh, I had one guy hit a pretty nice parlay, and he thanked me for that. He he is thinking about rolling it into this one this yeah, week. Could be crazy. Could be crazy. So I do have three games again this week. I can't remember who that guy's name is or what his Twitter handle is, but he'll if he does it, he'll definitely uh, post a picture. I feel really good about this week. We got three picks for you. First off, we got Syracuse minus 27 and a half against UConn. Uh, Syracuse, their starting quarterback, Eric Dungy, who went out due to an injury in the first half last week against FSU, says he's ready to come back. And even if he's not the second string quarterback, beat FSU. So that should tell you something. And UConn on the other side of the ball is. I mean, they're horrible. They're like, yeah. I mean, this defense is basically a high school defense. And, yeah, I know Syracuse is riding high after they beat FSU, but FSU kind of sucks. So, anyway, it'll still be a huge confidence boost, and, you know, they'll be 4-0 after they beat UConn. This will definitely put them in the others receiving votes category. Yeah, I think this is a this is an easy win for us right here. Uh, what's, what's your second game? I have a feeling I know what this one is. 
So the second game is, I'm going to go with UCF minus 13 and a half against FAU. Hey we pretty much already went over all the reasons why. Um, I just think that extra, you know, week of, pr- of practice and film time uh, for UCF is really going to just wipe the mat, wipe FAU off the map. I think it'll be an easy 42-21 victory. I'll take it. And I actually, I don't think they'll score that much, but either way, that's more than enough to uh, to cover the spread. So I like it. All right, what's your third game? 3-0, and what do we got? All right, third game, the third American game of the week. I'm taking Cincinnati minus 8.5 against Ohio. No, not Ohio State, just regular old Ohio. This game... In my power rankings, it should be Cincinnati minus 15.5, so you're getting basically a touchdown worth of value here on this pick. I think Cincinnati's a huge surprise this season, and not everyone's taken you know, them, them that seriously. Uh, right. That's why I think the spread is a little low. And Ohio, their only win this whole year has been against Division Two or maybe even Division Three. I don't know, but Howard College, <laughs> and they only won by five points. Right, so they're not Ohio, good at all. Right. So Ohio's offense, they do have a decent offense, but they have they only have one good receiver. His name is Poppy White. Poppy! And he, account- <laughs> he, accounts-, <laughs> he accounts for about 75% of the entire team's receiving yards. So you pretty much just have to cover that one guy and you're good. But Cincinnati has a pretty decent defense. They're only giving up about eight and a half points a game over the last three. And Ohio's defense is horrible. They give up 38 and a half. Um, also, the Ohio lost their starting quarterback last week, and he is not set to return. So they'll be on their second string quarterback, which makes me think that Cincinnati should have an easy, more than eight and a half point win. And there's your three winners for this week. Dude, I like these games a lot. For the first time, I think we're in agreement of all three games. I might take the 120 or whatever I won last week and double down on this parlay, trying to turn it into uh, like six or 700, whatever that comes out to. I really like these three picks. All fa- they're all, all favorites, right? Uh, yes, they are all favorites. Just all right. don't add any dumb extra picks at the end. Just go with those three. Yeah, because <laughs> so last week, so every week, Moo and I split the parlay for his picks of the week. He decided to add a fourth extra game. Didn't tell me. Uh, it lost, so we lost the parlay. And then he tried. He tried to charge me for half of the best. I felt really good about it. I thought it was going to be a winner. You Stick know, to the a fourteen parlay play, pays a lot more than a three. But I do. I will say I'll agree with you. That we should stick to the system, and there you go. All right, so let's move on. My NFL locks of the week went 0-1 last week, which puts us at 1-1-1 for the season. I'd like to keep it even there, but hopefully we can put some more uh, some more dubs in the uh, win column there. So I've got three picks this week that I really like. The first one, New England, minus 6.5. They're just coming off of that pretty bad loss against, I mean, Jacksonville, arguably one of the best two teams in the league with the Rams. But New England doesn't normally lose two in a row. They're going to Detroit against their former defensive coordinator, Matt Patricia. So Bill Belichick will know the defense 
He will know exactly what they're going to do. He pro- he already knows what they're going to do, and he knows exactly how to pick it apart because Patricia was his defensive coordinator for almost, a, I think, almost a decade in New England. And Bill's just so smart. I, I don't see any reason why they don't win by two or three touchdowns here. The Lions haven't yeah. looked good at all either. I mean, D- Detroit sucks. So what's the line again? Minus six and a yeah, half. But, well, this is a joke. If you were, if you were me, unload. Unload yeah. on this. So that's Dude, actually Detroit is horrible. They're gonna they're gonna embarrass Patricia. Exactly. Embarrass exactly. him. So that's my uh, that's my lock of the week. So that's the only one that'll count in my standings. Two other games I kind of like though: the Bears minus six versus the Cardinals. Uh, I know the Bears haven't looked that good on offense, but their defense might be one of the best in the NFL. And the Cardinals are absolutely terrible. That new head coach has no idea what to do with David Johnson who is arguably the most athletic running back in the league, and he's only giving him the ball to run between the tackles, not giving him the ball in the passing game and not running him outside and using his athleticism. And the other game I like is the uh, the Bucks plus one and a half at home Monday night against the Steelers. I think this, there's another one. The Steelers are like unraveling. Steelers are unraveling, and the Bucks are the real deal. I'm surprised they're not favored in this game. Sooner or later, Vegas is going to realize that the Bucks are the real deal, and Fitz, Fitz Magic is is going to be the starting quarterback. But I really like them plus one and a half at home. So those are my yeah, two other. I don't, I don't want I don't want Vegas to realize that that's when we that's how we get our picks. We exactly. Like, we like when Vegas doesn't realize something. That's when we capitalize on an opportunity. So we like to stay one step ahead of uh, Vegas, right. or even two steps. You don't you don't become seven and zero for for nothing. You got to pay attention. Uh, so real quick, let's do our Knights in the NFL update. We had a really good week for our built by UCF guys. Good on the list here. Kamar Aiken was actually signed by the Eagles and then started due to an injury, uh, injuries to Mike Wallace and Alshon Jeffrey. Had five catches for 39 yards against the Bucks. Jordan Aikens had two more catches, putting it four on the year. Blake Bortles had that great game, four touchdowns, 377 yards. Also added in six rushes versus the Patriots in that awesome win. We had a bunch of other starters on defense. A.J. Boye, Clayton Gathers, Gathers, Shaquille Griffin, uh, Brandon Marshall, Charlie Hewlett, Justin McCray, uh, Brashad Perriman was just picked up by the Redskins. Matt Prater had a good comeback week, went two for two in field goals. And finally, Traquan Smith caught his first NFL pass against the Browns for 18 yards. So really good week for our Knights in the NFL. Um, All right, let's do a couple questions, and then we'll wrap it up. Fear the Pegasus asked me about thoughts on an all-gold uniform, top to bottom. What do you think, Moo? All-gold. Didn't we used to have those, like, a long time ago? Like, in the early, like, late 90s, early 2000s? I seem to remember seeing pictures of that. you have a bad memory. All gold was what we wore up until 2016 when we got the new uniforms. That Gold was our home uniform. We wore that for Texas. But uh, I think they could look good. Oh, if done, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, okay, if I remember now. If they're like metallic gold, I think they'd look good. But if they're that flat gold color, it's really just like a giant yeah. pair of khakis. But I think if it, <laughs> if it was done right. Kind of reminded me a little bit of like the – remember a couple years ago the Jags had that like – honey mustard yeah. uniform yeah, on a Thursday night. That's kind of what it reminded me of. 
Those were uh, those were not pretty. All right. Uh, Jason Bede asks, thoughts on the FAU hype video ending with Ignite This Rivalry? So if you didn't see it, FAU had a hype video for the game, and they said Ignite This Rivalry, trying to kind of make it a rivalry between us. Personally, I think it's awesome. Any more rivalries? I mean, we already have the civil conflict. Any more artificial rivalries? Uh, I like them. Gives us extra motivation and extra stuff to talk about on our show. Uh, how do you disagree. feel? You don't like uh, extra the rivalries? civil conflict is stupid. It's awesome. Uh, I it's- like when we I like when we like belittle the com- when we like belittle the you know other teams trying to make rivalries with us. That's We're true. better than that. But We're see, bubbling. now the civil conflict is actually a thing because it was so stupid. Yeah, but it's a joke. Yeah. The whole thing I, is a joke. I, I see that. Um, okay. Ryan Bolden asks, are we going to do more space uniforms, yay or nay? I kind of like the space uniforms. I thought they were really cool. I, I don't know if we're going to do them. I would assume we would. But honestly, all it was was some different stickers on the helmet, and they put a little triangle patch. Like, it wasn't a different uniform at all. All they did was put a patch on the jersey, and then they took it off the next time we wore black. So, I mean, I could, I'd like to see some more variation. Tonight we're using the Pegasus shoulder. Yeah, maybe they add some. Yeah, I, I, Raquel Picone asks, were Ross and Rachel on a break? <laughs> <laughs> and then, Well, I don't really watch Friends. I know you've seen every episode like 10 times, yes, 20 they, times. They so were on. Enlighten the fans about this question. They were on a break. They were on a break. So it is what it is. All right, last question, DJ Pav. Is it true you pooped your pants at tailgate? <laughs> Probably. All right. All right. Thanks for all your questions. Thanks for listening. That's all we got. So make sure to uh, come to the game. Make a lot of noise, except we're on offense. Yeah, and I guess I'm going to have to stay up for this game because in Scotland, the game starts at 12.30 in the morning. So Fuck yeah, dude. I, that's prime time, man. That's awesome. I like that. I guess I'll be sitting in, sitting up in bed with my little reading light. Wear black, blackout, stay hydrated, have fun. Go Knights. <laughs>